Welcome to the Sharon Cliff Podcast. I'm a business coach, a mentor, a wife, mama four, lover of wine, and a consumer of dark chocolate. On the Sharon Cliff Podcast, a real talk, no fluff podcast, myself and my incredible guests answer the hard questions with practical advice and fun. Sharing stories, tips, and the how-to, we explore mindfulness, marketing, building wealth, self-care, and all things business. A podcast to inspire you to take action so you can create a life and a business that you love without the burnout. To find out more about me, head to sharoncliff.com.au. Turn up the volume. Let's do this. Today on the Sharon Cliff Podcast, we are welcoming Mike Rappish from Ferravina. And Mike, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Oh, hey, Sharon. Uh, thanks for having me. Yes, yeah, so I am the founder and owner of Ferravina or Ferravina Wines. And uh, so we are a wine business for health conscious drinkers in its simplest form. Okay, love that. And I always like to ask my guests, what did you want to be when you grow up? I changed my mind quite a few times, but uh, most recently I wanted, well, I wanted to, I wanted to be a doctor or a medical researcher. I wasn't sure at the time, but I did after high school, I went to, I went to uni to study that. And so I studied medical science and I uh, did my honors in that, but then I uh, sort of lost interest in that and I changed tack um, and just worked in restaurants to sort of just pay the bills and got into wine and uh, ended up being a sommelier and ended up starting this business. So that's, uh, that's that. Whereas, you know, before, I don't know. I guess it's sort of not too much from, you know, even though it's not the, the medical science part of it, but you've still got the science with, with what you do with wines. You know, I, I'm a big believer in, in health and, you know, particularly my, my audience is predominantly women and we always want to make sure that we're looking after our health and putting ourselves first. And we do find that we, you know, it's, it's stressful trying to balance business and a family and have time for ourselves as well. And, and we find, and, you know, myself included, that at the end of the day it's really become a habit to open the fridge and and grab a bottle of wine and pour a glass while we're cooking dinner and perhaps finish that over dinner and then you know maybe have another one after and whilst it used to be more of a a weekend ritual I guess you know with with a pandemic that we've had for the last sort of 18 months I think a lot of us can be honest and say that you know we don't just drink on the weekends now we do drink through the week and we find that we probably are consuming more wine than than what we used to and and I think it's really important to to really look at, you know, how much we consume and what effect that has, not on our health, but also um, our mental health, but also our mindset, because it does distort, you know, the clarity when, when we start to consume too much alcohol. And I find myself that I have a, a IGTV on a Friday where it's, you know, wine down Friday, I do it with a glass of wine. And that's just me. That's who I am. Um, there's a lot of businesses that do a wine down Wednesday. You know, there's a Facebook group of like-minded Bees drinking wine, and that's got 150,000 women in there. So we know that drinking wine, it's it's you know part of our of who we are, the, the makeup where we are around the world, not just in Australia. And I think that you know we really need to take stock. We're so busy, you know, looking at you know what food we eat and what what exercise we do, and we don't really look at what's in our alcohol. And I love the fact that you know when I looked at when when I dm'd you on instagram and we started a bit of a chat and you said you know I, I would like to come on your podcast and talk about wine and how you can have wine without feeling crap the next day and you know i, I looked on your uh, website and i saw that you know your your mission is to bring us wine but something that's healthier than what's out there so uh, can you 
give me a bit of an idea, you know, obviously your mission is about, you know, bringing us wine that's healthy and really looking at what's in the bottle. So can you tell me about how that sort of started, the, the journey about looking into what's actually in wine, how you can make it healthier? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So it, ca- it came about um, came about more just in terms of uh, so my uh, my partner is a uh, naturopath and nutritional therapist, and when we started dating, she just recently started uh, drinking again, and primarily just you know drinking wine. And uh, you know she learned uh, didn't know much about wine when she met me, and she learned a lot more you know while we were dating. And uh, you know she kind of found out about oh you know there are all these additives in wine and there's you know sulfites and there's a lot of other issues. Um, and we started kind of chatting about you know maybe making some healthier choices when it comes to the wine we drink. And this kind of led me to do um, well over a year of research into what specific criteria would actually result in choosing a healthier wine. So just like when it comes to you know choosing what you eat, you know you can choose to eat you know more cruciferous vegetables. You can choose to eat organic. You can choose to eat you know I don't know like high fat low carb whatever whatever you know there are lots of different choices you can make, but. With wine, people don't really think about making any healthier choices. Um, so we, I kind of started researching to that. So you mentioned, as you were just um, just talking there, you said, oh, you know, like we are starting to drink more during the week. We're starting to drink more and we need to think about how much we're drinking. And yes, so whenever we think about a healthier way of drinking wine or even just any alcohol, people generally just think about, well, I just need to drink less. You know, in order to in order to um, drink in a healthier way, I just need to consume less volume of this. And yes, that is undeniably true. But uh, we don't think about any other things. So we don't think about uh, when we're drinking and how we're drinking, and we don't think about what we're drinking. You know, so people just always go, oh, instead of having a bottle of wine, I'll have half a bottle or whatever. But how about like, how about thinking about when you're drinking? Are you drinking with food? Are you drinking over a longer period of time? Like what time of the day are you drinking in? Um, how are you feeling when you are drinking? How long before you stop drinking, you go to bed? Things like that make a big difference. Are you drinking a lot of water during that time? Are you maybe taking some supplements that can help you? Maybe a bit of charcoal, maybe a bit of glutathione, things like that. I mean, there are ways in which you can mitigate the effects of alcohol beyond just drinking less. And also, what are you drinking? You know, so when it comes to wine, you know, are you drinking, you know, commercial wine that, you know, maybe 15.5% in alcohol or are you drinking a natural wine that's 11% in alcohol? What else is in that wine beyond the alcohol? You know, are there a lot of additives in it? Are there not? Does it contain a lot of sulfites? If it does contain sulfites, were these sulfites added right at the end where they have minimal impact on the wine's, wine's chemistry or were they added throughout the process where they have a large impact on the wine, wine's chemistry? You know, these are the things that people don't think about. I think it's fair to say that people don't think about them because they're not aware of them. And that's partly what I'm trying to do. So I'm trying to, you know, raise awareness, share this knowledge that I've gained over this you know, year of research and um, over my many years of working as a professional sommelier in Europe and Australia and Canada and uh, just yeah exactly help people just drink better beyond just you know drinking less if they're trying to get healthier I'm trying to give people that option for sure you know and I've had guests on my podcast before we spoke a lot about the food you know not just going to the fridge because you're bored and not just getting something to eat because it's that time of the day and you normally eat eating when you're actually hungry and consuming water before you eat so that you're not stuffing yourself full of food but also really in, you know, sitting there and enjoying the food and tasting the flavours. And, you know, it's the same with wine, not just open the, the fridge and, get, and getting a bottle out because you sort of see it there, but have it when, you know, you might be enjoying a beautiful meal and having it then and really tasting tasting the flavour and smelling the aroma of the wine. And it's not just, you know, sitting there, you know, just just throwing back glasses. It's, it's about really being conscious of when you're consuming and how you're consuming. And, you know, and I think too, like, 
at least with a bottle, you can sort of see what you're consuming because obviously, you know, you start with a full bottle, then you go to a half bottle, whatever. But, you know, there's a lot of people that, God forbid, have um, cask wine where you don't really know what you drink. Like you don't know how much you're consuming. It's, you know, as you said, it's not looking at, you know, we think the first thing we think of is to be healthy with alcohol is to cut the consumption down. But as you said, it's also about being conscious of when you're drinking, how you're drinking, but also looking at, you know, has the wine got lots of different additives in it? Because, I mean, I'll, on your website you've got, the, you know, some of the commercial wines have got 70 chemicals, at, semi, 70 chemical additives added to it. Like we're, we are so conscious about what's in our food, what's in our cleaning products, what's in everything that we consume. But as you said, you're trying to raise, raise awareness. I have never really sat here and looked at what is added to wine and it's actually quite scary you know you know i know the tannins off you know that, is that more in red wine or is that in all wine i think the, the tannins are often sort of play. tannins will be added to red wine and uh yeah tannins would be added to red um to, yeah you wouldn't really add them to white um but also things like uh things like antiseptics various um various enzymes um for yeast um specific yeast strains will be used uh sometimes these yeast strains are the uh result of um you know genetic modification and uh yeah so like lots of things and when you say yeah i mean there are i think 80 80 and change um additives allowed in wine in australia one important thing to note is um these additives are allowed in organic wine as well so just because your wine label says organic doesn't mean that it doesn't have additives in it. So if you go into, you know, Dan Murphy's or, you know, just a big bottle shop and you go to their, you know, tiny little organic section where, you know, you get the wines with a big label organic plastered on the front of the label, these wines are actually packed full of additives. I mean, they're organic in name only. Yeah, sure, they managed to somehow, you know, get the organic certification. Uh, but beyond that, they've just added a whole pile of crap to the um, to the wine afterwards and, you know, made it essentially a commercial wine, but it just, you know, they're allowed to say it's organic. So if we think that we're going into a shop and buying organic wine, it's not necessarily any healthier. No. Not at all. No, not necessarily. I mean, that, that, that is just so for, so, for example, if you look at the criteria, I mean, I, I have a specific dot point list of criteria uh, for a wine to be included in a Ferravina pack. And a wine must meet every single one of these criteria before I even bother tasting it. So the first thing it has to be, it has to be made from organically or biodynamically grown grapes. Biodynamic is kind of like organic, but then with a few extra steps added to it as well. So biodynamic is like organic plus. Um, so it's, you know, like I can get into that, but it's a bit, it's a bit, um, it's a bit of a heavy topic. Uh, but suffice to say that it's a really, really wonderful way of farming. Um, then beyond that, once the grapes get to the winery, um, there can't be any added yeast. So it has to be fermented naturally with the yeast that are occurring either in the winery, in the air, in the barrel, or on the skins of the grapes themselves. Then uh, it can't have any additives during the winemaking process whatsoever. So the fermentation just has to be allowed to progress naturally. You can't block anything. You can't add anything so zero additives and then once the wine is ready for bottling um, they are allowed to have a very small amount of sulfur so generally um, so wine in australia is allowed to have up to 250 uh, parts per million or milligrams per liter of sulfur um, total um, my wines are allowed to have 50 so one fifth of that now it's important to note um, that about 20 parts per million are naturally occurring um, so basically, even if you have a wine where you haven't added a single drop of sulfur, it can still have around, you know, 10 to 20 parts per million of sulfur. So really, my wines have only about the same amount that is naturally occurring added to them, you know, to get it up to about 30, 40 ppm, just to kind of keep, just, just, just to help them through the bottling, um, just to help them through the bottling process. And usually this sulfur will actually evaporate off um, over the first maybe year or year or so in the bottle. Um, so you'll actually end up with a wine with practically no sulfur in it whatsoever once it actually arrives. Um, 
And then finally, they have certain criteria. So it has to be basically sugar-free. You know, this just makes them, this isn't, you know, like a natural wine thing. This is just the fact that, you know, my customers, a lot of them are keto, you know, people just don't want to be drinking sugar that they don't have to. So the wines are practically sugar-free, less than half a gram per glass. These are generally just unfermentable sugars. So oftentimes, even if you consume this tiny amount of sugar, your body can't even break it down because yeast was unable to break it down. So essentially, there are no sugar calories in there. Um, and if there are, it's just basically minute amounts. And then we do have an alcohol limit as well. So wine can't have over 3.5% alcohol. And finally, for all of our uh, vegan fans out there, the wines are all vegan as well. So that is where I'm kind of coming from. You don't, you can't just pick up a bottle off the shelf and go, oh, this is organic, therefore it's going to be fine. Or, oh, this is a little bit lower alcohol, therefore it's going to be fine. There's a whole list of um, criteria that I basically have to, you know, talk to the winemaker about or talk to the distributor about and really kind of demand that these things be met, you know, before we can move forward. And um, let's face it, I mean, if you're a customer in a bottle shop or in a restaurant, you don't have access to this information. You don't have access to the people that have this information. So that's why I try and, you know, make sure that I've covered all of these criteria for people so that, you know, if they come to me and go, okay, we want, you know, wines that fit these criteria, they know, or wines that are, you know, a healthier option, they know that every single one of mine is kind of meeting those criteria. So I guess with looking at sourcing wine through someone like yourself, we're really going to have a good understanding that what's in that bottle is going to be better for us than what is in a commercial bottle of wine. So obviously we're going to feel better when we're drinking it, but what really intrigued me was how does having, you know, the, the, so obviously the lower alcohol, the sugar-free, the antioxidants, um, you know, and, and having all of those things that you said, you know, with, with the additives and things like that, how it's going to make us feel after it. So we all know that we need to consume lots of water after drinking any kind of alcohol, not just wine before we go to bed. But waking up the next day is like, like for me, if I have too much wine, I just get really dizzy. I guess it's like a form of vertigo. And I find that now that comes on sooner. So, it might, you know, before it might have been that I might have had, you know, six or eight or ten glasses of wine before I'd get that. But now I find that depends on which wine I'm drinking, sometimes it might come come on after four or five glasses. So, and I guess that's in what you're saying is just being mindful of what is actually in the wine that you're drinking. So I don't drink sort of too much red wine a little bit through winter, but I only have one glass and that's it. Whereas through summer I'm sort of more into to the rosés because if I drink champagne, that gives me the headaches the next day. So I guess it's really being mindful and that and I suppose that's where this comes into it is, is how you then feel that next day because coming back to the key point is that where business owners that are trying to run a business and balance kids and look after ourselves and we don't want to have a few wines and then find that we, you know, we can't function and we don't have clarity the next day because, you know, we're effectively hungover or because we've got all these additives and toxins coming out in our body the next day. So mm-hmm. can you sort of run through that because obviously this has been part of your process too is that not just looking at what's in the bottle and yeah. how we feel when we're drinking it but how we feel after drinking for sure. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, you hit on some really, really key things there. So, yeah, absolutely. Like how you feel the next day and how you can, how can you make that less painful um, by, by choosing the right wine? So, you mentioned, for example, that you have issues with champagne. Um, one of the reasons why you might have issues with champagne is because champagne generally has a little bit higher sugar than uh, than 
dry wines. I mean, champagne actually has sugar added to it. You know, at the end of, um, you know, when the champagne is, when it goes through disgorgement and just as it's about to be, go through its final sort of bottling stage before it gets, um, gets you know, shipped out, you know, they will add what's called the dosage to it. So this can be, you know, six, 12 grams of sugar per liter um, added to it. So yeah, you might be, you know, taking on sugar that you're not aware of. That is that is the first reason. Um, you can definitely avoid this by drinking, you know, when, when with my sparkling wines, um, there's no sugar in it at all. Um, there's also no secondary fermentation. It's all just one fermentation. So they're all pet nats that also much, you know, that, that also makes them much gentler. It also makes them have a bit lower alcohol as well um, because going through the double fermentation for champagne, you know, does boost the alcohol a bit necessarily. I mean, you've got, you got the first wine that's made dried and you've got, you know, the second fermentation to create the bubbles and there are lots of reasons why wine can make you feel better or worse the next day. One of the reasons is, yeah, the additives. Um, so, yeah, the alcohol is the main one. You know, the more alcohol you drink, you know, the more of a hangover you're going to have. I mean, that's pretty simple. Definitely with our wines being a bit lower alcohol, that helps. Secondly, uh, yeah, it's the additives. So, a lot of these additives, you know, your body doesn't particularly like them. So, you know, it needs to detoxify them. So, your body can be, you know, you're just burdening your body's detoxification pathways with additives as opposed to just letting it focus on the alcohol. Uh, then beyond that, um, yeah, sulfites can be a problem. Uh, so, look, sulfur allergies, like where people get like really acute symptoms, they're incredibly rare. Uh, but lots of people are mildly intolerant to sulfur. You know, I, like there are really no numbers for how many of these people are because they go undiagnosed. You know, no one's going to go to their doctor and say, hey, I'm here because, you know, every now and then I get a little bit sinusy or get a bit of a headache, you know, from drinking wine. I mean, that's not that's not a diagnosable condition. That's just something you live with. And then there's other uh, another interesting element is, um, and this is something that nobody ever talks about, is um when the sulfur is added in the winemaking process can create a much higher level of acetaldehyde in the wine. So if you add it early on, um, the yeast in the wine ends up basically creating acetaldehyde as a way of dealing with a high sulfur level in the wine. So, and these acetaldehydes are ma major contributors to, um, to hangovers. So a higher level of acetaldehyde in the wine will cause a worse hangover the next day. And then finally, with um, red wine headaches, um, there's still quite a bit of research being done about this, but um, it does have something to do with the tannins that are in the red wines that aren't present in white wines. And it seems that people react more to tannins that are added to the wine as opposed to the tannins that are naturally present. And also with natural wine, because they're natural ferments, um, they generally, they're just the way the winemakers choose to make the wine, they have these much more gentle extractions um, of the tannins because the ferment takes weeks as opposed to days. The tannins are allowed to very gently be extracted from the, um, from the grape must. You're able to extract it a longer period of time and you don't have to add any tannin because high quality you know, high quality grapes um, that didn't sit in a vine for way too long. So that is that is the other thing, you know, so all of these things combined can make your situation the next day better or worse. And there is no guarantee, like different people react to different elements of this. So just basically making sure that, which is what we do, you know, just making sure that all of these criteria are met and going like for, if, if you're getting more of a headache for any of these reasons, you can worry a bit less because, you know, we've sort of made sure that none of those are an issue. So for the normal person just going to a bottle shop, if you like, how can, because obviously, you know, we're not going to know, we're looking at a bottle of wine, we're not going to know what the what the process is, what the fermentation is, what additives have been added, what, what part of the process have been added. How can we as consumers, like just, you know, everyday people that don't have all, you know, the knowledge and expertise and the information that you have, how would we know how what wine is better than another wine? You know, obviously we can, you know, come and buy wine from you, um, but, you mm. know, 
for the average person that's going to a wine shop, how can they help make a better decision when choosing a wine? Like I often choose a wine because it's got a really pretty label or it's, you know, I just got a rosé for Mother's Day and the bottom of the bottle is actually like a rose in glass. Like I tend to pick Mm -hmm. for, for pretty labels and things like that. No, 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 no. I know. Well, it, it, it's it, it is interesting because you know, like a pretty label, just in it. Like this is what I've always said about labels. You know, like um, a nice label never hurts, and a bad label never helps. You know, I don't really kind of pick wines based on that at all. I guess this is based on my uh, my restaurant kind of um, experience where the label is completely irrelevant because you know you don't see it. You know, you just see wines on a list. The sommelier kind of recommends something, you choose it or you don't, and then the wine just appears. You know, you've already chosen the wine before you've seen the label. Um, I do like nice labels on. Uh, on my wines as well they photograph well they're pretty but um i i i i never really get into a situation where i go oh this label's not pretty enough for me to feature it and um you know my partner sometimes you know because she's got a bit of a marketing background as well she'll kind of say like oh you know this label's really ugly and i'm like well you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna discriminate against the wine basins label as for other elements the things that you could kind of watch out for a little bit is whenever you feel like something is like too much money went into the packaging because then you're, pa- you're paying for that packaging. Like whatever money went into that packaging didn't go into the bottle. That's the first thing. So for example, you know, if there's, like you said, if there's kind of like a rose carved out into the, you know, that's a custom bottle, money went into that, you know, money that could have gone into the wine, in, into the, inside the bottle, money went into, you know, this thing that doesn't make it any better. So when it comes to people choosing wines that are a bit of a healthier option for them, I do have some advice. So choosing, asking for natural wine, is a very helpful one. So natural wine, the, the problem with the term natural wine though is that people have different interpretations of it. So sometimes they will, when someone hears natural wine, they think of these kind of like new wave sort of hipstery wines that are a little bit funky and weird. Um, that's not what natural wine is by definition. Um, some of those wines are natural, absolutely. You know, you'll see like quirky, super quirky label and it'll be like, I don't know, like a goat and a chicken playing cards or something. You know, it'll be like some whimsical, ridiculous thing. Um, and you can see these kind of labels on my website. I mean, we have, lots of wines like that but uh these wines oftentimes will not be made from organic um or biodynamic grapes um they will often have higher levels of sulfites as well added because these grapes needed to be transported and what have you and um they they will kind of be they won't be natural you know they'll just kind of be quirky and weird but not natural so when you ask for natural wine um that is a good thing but you should also specify i want a natural wine but i want to but i only want natural wine that is organic or biodynamic and you can sort of say, well, I want something that's got organic, that's organically or biodynamically grown. It doesn't have to be certified organic or biodynamic, but I want to make sure that it's grown that way. Now, once you've basically got a wine that people are calling natural and that is organically or biodynamically um, grown, you're well on the right track. Um, you've basically already chosen quite well. At that point, you can look at the alcohol level, you know, make sure it's not too high. That is displayed on the bottle. There is a contained sulfites label on wine bottles. Some people think that finding a wine without this label is a good way to go. It isn't. There is no such thing as a wine with zero, with no sulfur whatsoever because it's naturally occurring. And the limit for this label to be put on is so low. I, th- I think it's 10 parts per million. Beyond that, you have to put the label on there. So even a wine with zero added sulfur will most likely have the contained sulfites label on there. So that doesn't help you. But, you know, asking for a wine that's organic or biodynamic and also that is, you know, natural. And or you can also ask for a wine with no additives. These are all helpful things. Now, whether a person in a bottle shop will be able to help you with that, that's a very different story. So this information doesn't often trickle down to the staff in the bottle shop. Even the person buying the wine might not be aware of this. It's one of those situations, like, if you don't, if you don't ask, you won't know. But, you know, asking for that is is quite helpful yes now 
The other piece of advice I can give people that don't know much about wine, uh, but that want to kind of, you know, get a bit more out of their wine is um, try to pick things that are unfamiliar. So try and pick things that are made from grape varieties you haven't heard of. Mm-hmm. Try and pick things from regions you might not be aware of. Uh, definitely try and get things from producers that you don't know. And the reason for this is, is um, if you are a novice in wine um, and you're picking things that are familiar, usually the reason why they're familiar is because the advertising of the wine industry managed to get to you. So if you've heard of specific grape varieties, you've heard of them because they're kind of mass produced and they're commercially viable or they're commercially popular. If you've heard of a producer, it's usually because you know they're everywhere. It's usually probably because you've seen them in every single bottle shop you've walked into. You might have seen ads. Um, if you've heard of a region, again, it's because, you know, it produces a huge volume of wine. So it's not good um, to rely on what you've heard of and what's familiar to you if you're not familiar with much. Because the stuff that you're familiar with, it's going to be bad. You know, same with anything else. You know, usually the best stuff is, uh, is the stuff that's smaller production, that doesn't have the money for advertising, that is artisanal, and their money goes into actually producing a good product and not into, you know, advertising and, and awareness. And um, unfortunately, that's all you're going to be aware of if you don't know, if you're not kind of like an expert in this. Yeah, and that's what I picked up from when I was looking at the wines on your website is that I hadn't, none of the names were familiar and even, you know, the different types of wines. I was like, oh well, if I normally drink this, how do I? How does that? How does that translate in what you've got on there? So that's probably um, a good idea to have a look around and to work out which which would translate. So you know, if I drink a rosé, um, I think you did have a rosé on there, but it's sold out now. Yeah. Um, you know, my husband drinks Shiraz, so I didn't mm-hmm. see you know the, the typical names as you said. You know, if you're yeah. going for something that's more boutique. It's going to have more love put into that bottle um, and less money spent on marketing, more money spent on quality products. So, you know, so obviously these wines are, probably, are going to be more expensive than what you would typically pick up because, you, you, you know, whenever you're doing anything that's organic and natural and things like that, you're going to be paying more. So obviously the prices are more. But the question that I'm sure is on everyone's lips is how does this taste? Because if we're doing all this, are we still going to have a really flavoursome wine if we're, if we, you know, going on the on the healthier side, is it still going to taste really good? It's going to taste better. Awesome. They're, 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 signif- they're significantly better quality. Yeah, that's that's the first thing. So adding, you know, putting putting additives and putting sulfur in wines and stuff really dulls the life in wines. And oftentimes these wines with additives are made from inferior grapes. That's why they need the additives. You know, people don't put in additives just for fun. I mean, they put it in, um, yeah, because they want to have a consistent 1 million bottles, you know, that they can sell all over the world. But also they they put additives in because they have to. You know, because they're buying cheaper fruit, because they're just producing, you know, producing mass-produced stuff. All of our all of our wines taste fantastic. Um, they taste better. They taste much better um, because not only are they made with really high-quality fruit that doesn't need anything added to it, they naturally just taste as good as they do. They're also made by people who really care. Um, they're made by people who are artisanal. They, 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 all of my producers don't make wine don't make healthier wine. They just make the best wine they can. None of them basically go out of the way to go, hey, this is a health product. Like the wines that do do this, you know, the ones that kind of market themselves as, oh, you know, these these wines are keto or, you know, these wines are organic or whatever. They're usually really bad um, because that's all they've got to go on. So if you've got like really mass produced crap wine and you want to you wanna try and sell it you know, to a health conscious crowd, all you do is say, oh, yeah, it's keto. Oh, okay, because it's got no sugar in it. Fantastic. What else does it have in it? Doesn't matter. You know, you just kind of basically say that it's keto and people buy it. And you're all of a sudden, you know, your wine that is unpalatable, you know, people will buy it because 
you know, oh, because it's keto-friendly and I've got a, I'm on a keto diet, so let's do it. My wines are keto-friendly as well, but they're not made to be keto-friendly. They just happen to be keto-friendly. They're made to be really delicious wines that, you know, people are supposed to, you know, enjoy and think about. And when you mentioned earlier, you know, just cracking open a bottle, you know, after a long day, like, that's one of the things that I'm trying to, you know, help people get away from. You know, it's like, fantastic, open that bottle, but drink it mindfully, you know, drink it thinking about where it came from. Drink it, you know, thinking about, oh, this is a new grape variety for me. Oh, this producer, you know, does this or does that. And that's why, you know, on my Instagram, I, I put out producer profiles, you know, that where you can see that, who the people are behind these wines, you know, these regions where these wines are from. I mean, I've got, I've got wines from like one of my wines at the moment is uh, made from a grape variety where this is the only wine in the entire world that makes wine from this grape variety. It's Moristel from, um, from kind of like the northeast of Spain. And um, there isn't a single other bottle in this world where you will drink this grape variety. You know, and you're drinking something really unique and really exciting in this as opposed to you know one of a million shiraz yeah. you know and this is what's fun and when you mention you know like oh your husband likes shiraz or you like rosé yeah okay well i mean rosé is just a style i mean there's lots of different types of rosé but um with shiraz i often got this working in restaurants people will go oh yeah i want a shiraz and i would ask okay do you want a shiraz or do you want a full-bodied red wine you know that has a little bit more kind of spice to it yeah. like is, is that what you're looking for and oftentimes People just ask for a Shiraz because that's what they're used to, you know. So I kind of go, okay, does it have to be a Shiraz or can it be a Mouvedre, you know, which has kind of like a similar, you know, structure and flavor profile, you know, can it be a Tanat, you know, can it, if you're looking for maybe something with a similar flavor profile, but a bit less body, can it be a Mincia? And of course it can be, but these people have never heard of these grapes. So yeah. if you haven't heard of it, you can't ask for it. You know, same as people who ask for Sauv Blanc. Okay. Does it have to be a Sauv Blanc or can it be, can it be an Arnise? Can it be a Muscat? Can it be, you know, like lots of other things? And it probably can be. You know, but they don't know about these grape varieties, so they just go, oh, I, I normally drink Sauv Blanc, so I guess I'll keep doing that. Um, I've never had anybody ever complain that they didn't like a particular wine just because the grape variety was unfamiliar. Because people don't, don't, li don't like grape varieties. You know, they like certain styles of wine. They like a certain structure and they like a certain flavor profile. Um, and oftentimes, they don't even like that. You know, they just get used to a certain thing and something completely different is actually really exciting to them. And they really like it. So that's the thing. You can absolutely rest assured that, you know, our wines are top quality. And if anyone ever doesn't like a bottle of wine, you just let me know. I'll, I'll send you an extra bottle in your next pack. I mean, that's, uh, that's not a problem. Like, I'm very confident that people are going to like these wines, especially if they're going from, you know, these mass-produced commercial wines that are just kind of lifeless. You know, it's like eating, you know, processed cheese. And it's switching over to something, you know, that's artisanal and full of character and full of flavor and full of life with it, even all the health benefits of switching notwithstanding. I think, you know, just the flavor alone is a very good reason to switch over. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for, you know, your, your, your education around, you know, what, what's in wines, the different varieties, um, what we should be looking for, and not just looking at, you know, drinking wine, but as you said, you know, being mindful of how we're consuming it and not just the quantities but also, you know, making that sort of lifestyle choice as well. One question that I always ask at the end of my podcast is if you walked into a room and there was a theme song playing, what would your theme song be? Oh, wow. I don't know. I'm just... I don't know, maybe uh, maybe Elton John's I'm Still Standing. Love it. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. And um, if you do try any of the wines from Verifina, make sure you tag them in and also tag in the Sharoncliffe podcast as well so we can um, get some reviews out there on the wine. And I will I will order a, um, 
a pack for my husband, but I'll get him to go through the list because, yeah, if I go off just the fancy labels, I'll, um, I'll be in trouble. Yeah, my pleasure. It's been fun. Wow, so much gold right there. I'd love to know your thoughts on this episode and any suggestions you have for future episodes. Get in touch via Instagram, Sharon underscore Cliff, or my website, SharonCliff.com.au. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share on socials, make sure you tag me in, or leave a review. The Sharon Cliff Podcast, helping you build a business and a life that you love without burning out. Have an awesome week, and I'll see you next week. Thank you.